According to the Department of Education, nearly 300,000 K-12 students were enrolled in a fully virtual school in 2019. And with the shift to online learning during the pandemic, enrollment in virtual schools is growing throughout the entire United States. Why has the movement to expand virtual learning continued even after many schools have returned to in-person instruction? What are the benefits to students? And what is the future of virtual learning? This is what I want to know. And today I'm joined by Efren Garza to find out. As Deputy Superintendent of the South Texas Independent School District, Efrain Garza has over 20 years of experience creating and implementing new school systems. Most recently, he was the Executive Director of Student Support for South Texas ISD's Virtual Academy, which opened in the fall of 2021, offering a full online curriculum for students in grades six through nine. He is with us today to tell us about that experience, how it has helped students in his district, and what the future may hold for virtual learning in Texas and elsewhere. Mr. Garza, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me be a guest here in your fine show and looking forward to the conversation. I want to talk to you about a number of things. Uh, being a school leader these days and a school administrator is not an easy job, particularly with all this happened over the last several years. Uh, and I want to talk about particularly your work in starting a unique virtual education experience for students. But I want to go back to the beginning first. And uh, as I understand it, you were a science teacher. That's right. Uh, started my uh, educational career actually uh, when I was in college uh, doing some substitute teaching work. Uh, got hooked, got the education bug in me, and I was a science teacher. That's so how I started my career. Now, why science? Well, you know, um, always liked uh, the hands-on approach towards uh, learning. Uh, it was always very intriguing to me. Science was something that just came natural to me, uh, curiosity. And so that intrinsic feeling that I had within myself uh, just translated well in teaching young minds. And so I did something what many people thought was very crazy. My peers at the time, my family, I decided not only to be a science teacher, to, but to be a middle school science teacher. So that age group is... <laughs> Rambunctious to say the least. Well, and one of the things about middle school uh, students, if you find a way to engage them, you can engage anyone. And as I understand it, you had some success as a science teacher, um, getting kids interested in learning. What were some of the things and techniques that helped get you there? Where I worked at in our, in our school system, predominantly we are a socioeconomically challenged uh, area. So technology, connectivity, hard to come by. But I learned very uh, quickly that although it's hard to come by for some families, uh, students were just eager to learn uh, with anything having to do with technology. So I quickly started integrating within the, the classroom anything and everything technology, uh, whether it be pro uh, in, in um, computer-based labs, um, presentations um, was one of the 
uh, first there in, in the campus that I was at to have uh, full sets of computers for our students. Uh, wrote a grant for that and was able to to accomplish that for the students. And I just saw the engagement skyrocket. Eventually, uh, you learned about uh, virtual education, online learning. How did you come to uh, that awareness? Well, this 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 happened well before uh, pandemic set in, and and individuals delved into, or most school systems delved into uh, online learning. Uh, the idea of understanding how our the expectations of our society now uh, doing everything virtually, connecting with one another, much like what we're doing, you and I are doing uh, this morning, being able to to talk to one another, teach one another, uh, be able to to have more of a global approach. That's something that I saw coming. And actually, you know, online learning for anybody that's been in a college setting, that has been going on for over 25 years easily, mm-hmm. if not more. As soon as internet kicked in, and became more readily available to to all learning institutions, online learning became that. The issue is that as always in a public education, especially um, and, and nationwide, is that we're always several steps behind what uh, uh, the expectations are in the work environment, what the uh, university environment, uh, college. Uh, and so trying to get ahead of that. I've had several school leaders on, uh, administrators, education experts, and they all say something similar to what you just said, that, you know, if something new's out there, the school system is several steps behind. Why is that? I think that uh, for the most part, it, it goes back to um, fundamentally breaking from the traditional setting. You know, when we think about schools as adults, and I'm, I'm talking about adults in, in, you know, in general, all, all, um, all of us, we think about school as, as when we went to school. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that was uh, sitting on a desk, uh, paper, pencil, teacher at the front of the class, uh, lecturing, uh, quiz at the end of the day, or a, t- a big test in a couple, you know, two weeks into into a subject or a particular uh, content, and you get a grade, and that's it. So, recognizing that, particularly in the school district that you have, which is a, a low-income uh, student population, uh, it was pretty amazing for you to say we're going to do virtual learning when that has been a slow process for so many school districts? Yeah, it, it's, you know, some of it is a leap of faith, but, you know, more than like, more than anything, it was uh, just the commitment. If you have the will to, to do this kind of work, um, it, it's easier than you think. Uh, you think about the pros and cons. Well, you know, what we went through this you know, um, these past couple of years in education having to do with um, um, online learning, um, hybrid learning, if you will, for for those, you know, especially during the shutdown that we went through. That is not what online learning was supposed to be. And I've mentioned this to many people. That was just simply survival. 
I like to say that there's a difference between emergency learning and online learning administered by people who know what they're doing, where you can think through it, plan it out, train the teachers, have the right curriculum, have uh, platforms that can handle the load, all those kinds of things, which most school districts didn't have during the pandemic. One thing that we did learn, and, and I think every school system throughout the country learned this, that there is a population within their school system that thrived in online learning. And uh, are you now my question to, to those that are listening and those that may be, uh, you know, educators, are you ignoring that fact or have you embraced that that is uh, a need that uh, several of the students in your school system need? and what would be very successful at. So I did want to uh, make sure we drill down a little bit on the reality of online learning for those who may be listening. Um, one thing you have to do is have a curriculum that is digitized or, uh, you, you know, beyond just the PDFs from a textbook that in the emergency uh, remote learning experience, many school districts had to resort to, you need to have a curriculum that is adaptable online. And, and you talked about investment. You had to spend some time and energy making sure that you reach that first step along with the secure platform. Isn't that right? That's right. And, um, uh you know, uh, a school system, most, especially if you've not done it, you do not have experts within your entity to, to say, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do it right. You have to look for resources and individuals that have um, experience. And that's what uh, teachers do always. You know, you're, you're given a curriculum, you're given a classroom, but, uh, you know, you're given the ingredients the, the teacher does the cooking. Right. That's and right. so in this case, you know, with online learning, it's just it's just getting different kinds of ingredients, getting them from experts that uh, have already worked and uh, and getting it going. So let me ask you about your experience specifically as it related to your school. Um, did you find uh, as it relates to students that there was a certain type of student that responded more favorably to the virtual education approach? The students that respond to this are, are not just your, your self-motivated students that are, you know, they're going to turn on that camera, they're going to show up to class. Uh, we've learned also that there are some students that are more of on-my-own-time type of uh, learner. Okay? It's not that they don't want to learn. It's just that they have a particular way in which when they're ready to learn, they're going to be ready to learn. And so we learned that there's those type of learners. We also uh, understood that uh, a lot of our students, a lot of students that are have particular needs, in particular social emotional, uh, thrive. You know, we, some have said, well, you know, maybe having uh, kids online are going to detach themselves from, from socially. Uh, we, we just understand that there are some students that, that don't do well being in large crowds and all. And then yeah. when you put them in, in, in a brick and mortar school, they, they collapse there. 
but being in this type of environment where where they are online, they're able to learn a little bit different. They feel a little bit more comfortable. Their scores and their abilities have just skyrocketed. Uh, special population students, uh, in particular in special education, have also thrived. I think it has a lot to do in that uh, the way that they 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 are just programmed to to learn. Uh, they yeah. they see the interaction. They see a screen. They see uh, short clips. They they are. Um, they're a little bit more tactile because they're typing in or they're verbalizing certain things. And all of that just translates to uh, to their success. So, you know, what we've noticed and what we've identified is that uh, there are many students that are not being reached to their full potential in a brick and mortar school, but online, they're just thriving. And that has been a pleasant surprise uh, to us all. And uh, and we see it in the success of the students, and it just makes everyone happy. What about courses? I get asked this a lot. Are there particular courses that seem to be more conducive to the online experience? I mean, I notice it even, you know, I think at your school and others, uh, physical education is even, you know, taught online. You know, so many of the biggest rage right now is um, adults buying uh, stationary bikes with a screen on it. And having an <laughs> online instructor. <laughs> That's a really them, good point. Right. You know, and so, <laughs> you know, we question, you know, how can a student do PE yet? Everybody's rushing out to go buy these stationary bikes with a screen on them and pedaling away. Okay. It's easier than one thinks. They put on webcams, they carry on app, you know, these uh, watches, you know, these smart watches and all that. And they run and, and, and they are able to send data. Uh, and and it's just been amazing what students can do in physical education. But one thing that I do want to kind of mention here, since you brought this up as far as particular subjects, I think what we need to kind of also understand when we talk about online learning is, is kind of delving into something that is in education in general. Uh, a lot of our, our, our students want to do project-based learning, and online mm. lends itself to, to do that where there is a, a task at hand, a, a project in which you work on collaboratively or on your own, and then the final product uh, is, is given, and that's what you're graded on. You are now connecting so many different individuals from throughout the country, throughout the world, and their task is a project. And so the collaborative approach, the work approach, is already upon us in the work environment, yet we are not training we are not training our students nationwide to do that kind of work that is going to be expected of them when they hit the workforce. Earlier, you mentioned uh, socialization, and that is one of the big areas. In fact, when when parents remove their children from an online educational experience, they talk about the socialization Um and in fact, many school districts, now that the pandemic has been waning a bit, they talk about the fact that we need to get students back in the class. They need to be in, in, in socialization settings that work for them. Uh, what are your thoughts around the whole socialization issue as it relates to virtual learning? We cannot compare the shortfalls of socio-emotional uh, components um, that happened during pandemic and students going into this emergency learning to what would happen if you had um, a school 
and, and compare that social emotional learning to, to what we just experienced in emergency learning, as you mentioned. The most important thing is you, you've alluded to throughout this, this conversation is that one size doesn't fit all, that we've got to be flexible enough as adults to meet these kids where they are. And that, that leads me to, to what I really want to know. What advice would you give to uh, other school districts that are thinking about doing more with virtual education, but they just don't feel comfortable because of the politics, because of the resistance of the teachers, because of the unknown that exists among adults? Well, my advice to them is don't be afraid. It's not really advice. It's just more of a of a of a directive, really. Don't be afraid. Quit it and just do it. You your students deserve better. Brick and mortar schools are not going to go anywhere. There, there, there's still a need for that. But the the online learning campuses that needs to grow exponentially. So if there's individuals that are uh, within your school system, within the community, within teachers that are um, unwilling, they're reluctant. My advice to them is to one, first and foremost, educate them. Make sure you have a concrete plan with a contingency, because usually a contingency plan kind of keeps people a little bit uh, safe to say, okay, we'll let you because if it doesn't work, this is what the fallback is. And, and just do it because at the end of it all, they will find that they are going to have a lot of success. And, and, and some of the things that, that like, for example, taxpayers want to know is how much is this going to cost me? An online school is way, way cheaper than having a brick and mortar school by a lot. All right. Well said. Keep doing what you're doing. Frank Garza, thank you for joining us on What I Want to Know. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Thanks for joining What I Want to Know. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to write a review, too. Explore other episodes and dive into our discussions on the future of education. I also encourage you to join the conversation and let me know what you want to know using hashtag WIWTK on social media. That's hashtag WIWTK on social media. For more information on Stride, visit stridelearning.com. I'm your host, Kevin P. Chavis. Thank you for joining What I Want to Know.